here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, if you're like me, you've watched the video that was released by the Nashville Police Department on the, uh, on the mass killings of the three nine-year-olds and the three other individuals. And um, these police are really fabulous human beings. Uh, They didn't know what was behind which door and what door, and they were searching out the killer. And uh, Officer Rex Engelbert and Officer Michael Colazzo fired at the 28-year-old. Audrey Elizabeth Hale, and they killed her. And you could see uh, one of the individuals taking charge was this gentleman, Engelbert. Now, these are not SWAT team police. They pulled up in their cruisers, and they got out, and you can hear Engelbert saying, let's go, let's go. There's three of us, that's four of us, let's go. And they went. Engelbert's a four-year veteran of the force. Colazzo's a nine-year veteran of the force. And I would just say on behalf of this country, we want to thank them because they are illustrative of police all over this country. And... um, According to the police chief, Hale fired at the officers who were arriving at the scene from windows on the second floor before they swept the building and found her in a common room. You can see it on the video. I also want to tell you about somebody else. And that is one of the nine-year-olds. One of the nine-year-olds was murdered while she was trying to pull the fire alarm 
to alert everybody in the school and the police. And her name was Evelyn Dickhouse. And as reported here in the Daily Mail, she tried bravely to save her classmates by pulling the fire alarm at the Covenant Elementary School. She would describe her family as a shining light. And of course, they have been left, quote, completely broken. Completely broken. Um, and um, she'd been desperately trying to pull the fire alarm to get help when the shooting unfolded. Uh, and there's a photo of her on the internet at the Daily Mail. <clears throat> this was, in fact, the nine-year-old my daughter played uh, basketball with. A sweetheart. Um, and uh, she and two other kids didn't make it, of course. And then there was headmistress, Dr. and Catherine Kuntz. She was 60. Substitute teacher, Cynthia Peake, 61. And, and chef, Mike Hill, 61. He was also killed. And the daughter of Mike Hill who'd worked at the school for more than a decade, writes the Daily Mail, said that she never thought he would be killed in a mass shooting. Brittany Hill, my daughter of Mike Hill, posted saying, I've watched school shootings happen over the years and never thought I would lose a loved one over a person trying to solve a temporary problem with a permanent solution. I will not say her name because I will not glorify her actions. I wish the media would not say her name ever again. You got it. I agree. She said, I'm so sorry for the loss of those children. Seeing their names not called out safe was devastating. As well as the chaplain telling me and my siblings and family this god-awful news. Uh, his niece... Mike Hill's niece added that three other family members also worked at the school. They were not harmed. Um, the killer had attended the school. She was suffering from an emotional disorder. Um, and it goes on. And when you look at the video, uh, these, these cops, these are very young men, you know, are just fantastic. And they could hear the shooting upstairs, and they rushed upstairs as fast as they could. It's a picture of Haley Scruggs with her family and her father, who was a pastor, at the Presbyterian Church, affiliated with the school. And um, let's begin the... Uh, the press conference, Mr. Producer, we won't be able to play it all, but let's begin. Go ahead. All right, good afternoon. I'm Don Aaron with the Nashville Police Department. We want to give you a brief update this afternoon as to what we know about the Covenant murders on yesterday. There's one rumor going on throughout the community that we want to take a moment to clear up. There are those who think that specific individuals were targeted by the shooter who entered the building on Monday. 
we have no evidence that individuals were specifically targeted. This school, this church building, was a target of the shooter, but we have no information at present to indicate that the shooter was specifically targeting any one of the six individuals who were murdered. Chief John Drake will now update you on the progress of the investigation overnight and this morning, including what we know about the individual's purchases of firearms over the past couple of years. Again, this will be a brief briefing today. Chief John Drake. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you again for being here. Just a brief update of what we know right now. Uh, we've interviewed the parents of uh, Audrey Hale, and we've determined uh, that Audrey bought seven firearms uh, from five different uh, local gun stores here legally. Uh, they were legally purchased. Uh, three of those weapons were used yesterday uh, during this horrific tragedy uh, that happened. We know uh, that uh, they felt that she had one weapon uh, and that she sold it. She was under care, doctor's care, for an emotional disorder. Uh, law enforcement knew nothing about the treatment she was receiving, but her parents felt that she uh, should not own weapons. They were under the impression that was when she sold the one weapon that she did not own anymore. As it turned out, she had been hiding uh, several weapons uh, within the house. We also don't have a motive uh, at this time. Uh, we feel that uh, the students that were targeted were randomly targeted. There was not any particular uh, student uh, that they were, uh, that she was looking for at the time of the incident. And uh, that's what we know as I speak, and uh, we'll take any questions that you have. What was in the manifesto? So in the manifesto, there's several different writings about other locations. Uh, there were locations, of, uh, there was uh, talks about um, the school. There was a map of the school, a drawing of how uh, potentially she would enter and the assaults that would take place. Uh, there's, it's quite a bit of uh, writing to it. I have not read the whole, the entire manifesto. Our team and the FBI has been working uh, on this. Chief, can you clarify where exactly the victims were located? You mentioned the common area, but were they all together, the students and the adults at the same time? Where were they? So they were spread out in different locations. When I went into the actual church, uh, the kids had already been transported to the hospital. Also, uh, the two of the adults, I did see the head uh, school uh, person, and uh, she was uh, in the hallway uh, by the office. That's the only one. They were spread out. wasn't in one common area, but they were spread out. Chief, Chief the Drake, can we talk about other the response plans? in terms of targeting other buildings, other places? There were some writings in the manifesto about other locations, but as far as it being an actual target, uh, I can't confirm that at this time. Chief, can we talk about your body cam footage? Do you feel like your officers did everything please. right? One at a time, oh, sorry. please. Amber Walker with CNN. Just about the, the six victims who were killed. Uh, where exactly were they? Um, you know, were they walking through the hallways when this happened? And I also um, heard peripherally that uh, perhaps the, the head of the school may have ran towards the um, the gun or the shooter. 
It's very possible the head of the school could have done that. I can't confirm that one way or the other. I do know she was in the hallway by herself. Uh, there was a confrontation, I'm sure. Uh, you can tell the way she was laying in the hallway. Uh, there was the custodian, the African-American, as she shot through uh, the door to enter. Uh, she sprayed rounds through the glass, uh, striking him. You could see uh, where where he came to rest. As far as the others, they were just spread out in different locations. I, I can't say it was a confrontation, but they were met. She met the head person in the hallway. This man right here. Yeah. Thank you. Chief, you mentioned the guns, the multiple guns, and that the shooter was under the care of a doctor. Is there any law in this state that would have allowed police to take those guns away from this person had it been reported? If it had been reported, there's not a law for that, but had it been reported that she was suicidal or that she was going to kill someone and had been made known to us, then we would have tried to, uh, to get those weapons. But as it stands, we had absolutely uh, no idea uh, actually, who this person was, if she even existed. So, Chief, can you talk parents, a little bit about the time? What else did the parents say? Did they expect anything like this to happen? So we know uh, yesterday the uh, uh, Miss Hale was leaving out of the uh, residence. Uh, she had a red bag. Uh, they asked her uh, what was in the red bag, and I think she just dismissed it because it was a, a motherly thing. And I didn't look in the bag because at the time she didn't know that uh, her daughter had any weapons and didn't think any uh, differently. Um, again, they lost a child, uh, so it was very uh, traumatic uh, for them. So, Chief, watching the body cam. I think you were first. Yeah. So. Uh, could you talk about the police response? I know they engaged the shooter pretty quickly once they got to the school, but can you talk about the events that led up from when they got the call, what time did they arrive at the school, and could you talk about that? that that time because it's about maybe like 14 minutes or so yeah so they got the call at 10:13, and by 10:24, they had engaged uh the suspect uh as they arrived on the property uh there were police cars been hit by gunfire uh the suspect was in a upper uh level uh we believe there's been some training of being able to shoot from a higher level and her gunfire uh, from the video i've seen she stood away from the glass so she wouldn't be an easy target to be uh, shot. Uh, but as officers were uh, approaching uh, the building, there was gunfire going on. They went in, they went through um, door by door as we clear uh, buildings. They heard gunfire uh, and immediately ran to that and, uh, and then took care of uh, the this horrible situation. And how long did it take officers to actually get to the school initially from when the first call came in? From the time it went out from 10:13 to 10:24, it was over the exact time, arrival time. I'm not sure. I know that myself, I ran emergency and as I got there, uh, they were coming out bloody and all kind of things were happening. So I barely missed being able or, or being there to go in as well. So it was really quick, the response. Uh, and I think you were next. So. Yeah, uh, Chief, I was just going to ask you about the two officers whose body cam we've seen this morning. Uh, had they ever been placed in a situation like that before? <sighs> to my knowledge, I do not remember if, if those two in particular have been in that situation. Officer Colazzo uh, has worked as a paramedic with uh, the SWAT team, so I'm sure he's had some type of uh, weapons training. Um, I was really impressed that with all that was going on, the danger 
that somebody took control and said, let's go, let's go, let's go, and went in and took care uh, and just tried to end this uh, situation. Uh, but as far as being in this before, I'm unsure. You, sir? Yeah, this is a very impressive uh, chief, a very impressive police force, and those young men is exactly right. They took control. They didn't wait. weren't worried about perimeters and all the rest. Let's go, let's go, let's go. And they pointed, let's go this way, do that, check that. They were fantastic. And unfortunately, six people are still dead. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. not hyperbole. As a nation, we owe these families more than our prayers. We owe them action. You know, we have to do more to stop this gun violence of ripping communities apart, ripping apart the soul of this nation. To protect our children so they learn how to read and write instead of duck and cover in a classroom. You know, we need to act. These are weapons of war. I'm a Second Amendment guy. I have two shots. That's enough. He always talks about himself like Obama did. He's in a Second Amendment guy. What he is not is an let's look at all issues guy. He's an ideologue. That building needed to be secured. That's how you protect the children. That's how you protect a president. That's how you protect members of the House of Representatives and members of the Senate. That's how you protect the Supreme Court. That's how you protect your own home and your own family. These buildings needed to be secured. I'll be back. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. 
He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. One of the things that happens in totalitarian regimes, whether it's communist or fascist or something in between, and I might add, one of the things that happens in this country with Democrats is they always talk about policies that will do X, Y, Z. Whether it's nationalizing health care, whether it's climate change, that in the future this will happen, in the future that will happen, in the future this will happen. Promises. It's a pretty good shtick. Gets them a lot of votes, a lot of support, and a lot of power. But the only way to actually know if what they're saying is to occur, Mr. Producer, is what? Is to get it done and then wait. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And their answer to that always is, because the vast majority of time it doesn't work, is we need to do more. More government, more centralization, more redistribution, more rules, regulations, laws, more taxes, more interference in liberty. And so everybody should be on Medicare. Well, that'll destroy this. No, no, it won't, says Bernie Sanders. Joe Biden says we need to outlaw assault weapons. There's literally no definition for an assault weapon because anything could be an assault weapon. Even a musket could be an assault weapon. Even a stapler can be an assault weapon. An automobile can be an assault weapon. There's really no definition. So the Democrats have succeeded in controlling, once again, as we talk about here, the language. What law exactly would we pass, and I've been saying this for 21 years on the radio, what law exactly would we pass to prevent what just took place in Nashville? What law? I noticed some backbenchers have picked up this point. It's a smart point. They ought to repeat it. What law would have prevented this? No law would have prevented this. In 1994, Joe Biden likes to talk about how he passed the federal assault weapon ban. That was the name given to it. It was actually the brainchild of Dianne Feinstein. In 1994, he was a co-sponsor. And they took a bunch of weapons. They called them assault weapons. Semi-automatic weapons is what they are. But nonetheless, some of them look like military weapons. A whole list of them. And the Congress passed it, and Bill Clinton signed it. Joe Biden goes around saying, and it worked. And the study he cites, I actually looked into this today, is one that was touted by Mother Jones, a radical left-wing magazine, with radical left-wing ideologues. The Rand Corporation would later do a study. They're a very highly respected research organization. They said... It had no effect. The Department of Justice conducted its own investigation, and it said no effect to minimal effect. 
There were other studies that were done that found the same thing. So they cherry-picked their studies, and they tell you that had this enormous effect. problem is it didn't. What was happening is when they banned all these weapons on list A, Mr. Producer, people used weapons on list B that weren't banned. They weren't banned. So that's just not an answer to this. So if we want to protect our children, it didn't protect them after 1994. And when that law lapsed 10 years later, my recollection, it was a 10 year law with a lapse. It didn't protect them then. Now, Joe Biden's there in North Carolina, and he knows nothing about weapons or bullets. He knows nothing about security. And he says in part this, cut three, go. Overwhelmingly, a majority of gun owners agree we have to do something. But I agree we have to do something. The question is, what are we agreeing that needs to be done? Go ahead. Gun owners agree. This, there's a moral price to pay for inaction. Last year, we came together to pass the most significant gun safety legislation in 30 years. But well, why didn't it stop? This mass murder. If it was that significant. Go ahead. We got it done. And don't tell me we can't do more together. So I again call on Congress to pass the assault weapons ban. So you see, pass the assault weapon. We just passed some kind of gun control, right? But now we need to pass the assault weapons ban. And what are assault weapons? We don't know. Semi-automatic weapons? You can't buy automatic weapons. That's been outlawed for over half a century. That said, if you can go to the Treasury Department and try and get one, but it's very, very unlikely. So people aren't running around with machine guns and that sort of thing when they talk about, oh, military weapons. And most people don't have military weapons. Go ahead. It should not be a partisan issue. It's a common sense issue. What is a common sense issue? That the White House should be protected, that Congress should be protected, that every federal building should be protected, every state building should be protected. But our schools shouldn't be protected. Just think about this. Think about this. Go ahead. Why do I keep saying this if it's not happening? Because I want you to know who isn't doing it, who isn't helping to put pressure on them. You know, I know you see on television, it's not just merely the, the weapon in terms of it's, that it's semi-automatic in effect. But the velocity with which it comes out of that muzzle, what it does when it hits the body, most bullets would go just straight through and out, leaving little, but it blows up once it's inside your body. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, hold on a second. There are different kinds of bullets. There are bullets that just go through the body, and there are bullets that expand as they go through the body. We call them hollow point bullets. And you might say, well, that's horrific, those of you who don't understand. Do you know why police officers use mostly hollow-point bullets? 
not simply because they're deadly. They do not want a bullet to pass through one person and hit another person. That's one of the main reasons hollow point bullets were developed in the first place. Because you can hit the target, but you might also hit other people. That's why I'm assuming the police in Nashville who killed the mass murderer would have preferred to have the hollow points, not just for the bullets to be deadly, but what if she were standing there with children behind her? The bullet could pass through the person, which it easily does, because your body is mostly water. The bullet could pass through the person and into one, two, three little kids. He has no idea what he's talking about. None. He's got shotguns. Great. He never has any idea what he's talking about. So we ban all these weapons. And they're still not going to be happy. You want to know why? Because there's hundreds of millions of weapons out there. And people will sell them and other people will buy them. And then they're going to want to step in and put an end to that. Then they're going to want to put an end to the grandfathering of weapons. It's always ratcheted up, 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 up. Because it's not going to work. It didn't work in 1994, the 2004, and it's not going to work now. Secure the buildings. As we know from this latest horrific episode, one of the buildings was more secure than another. So the killer chose the building that was less secure. How many of you have alarm systems and you put the signs out or you put the stickers on your windows and your doors? Or you have lights that go on if somebody, motion lights, approaches your home, floodlights, what have you? Because if a would-be burglar or rapist or killer, he sees that in a house, he goes to the next house. That's what the studies show. That's why you do those things. Or you leave a light on the house or several when you're not around or radio or TV. Same thing. If they think people are in the house more times than not, they'll go to the next house. Although it's not perfect, the same thing applies to facilities. This school was in a gun-free zone. A gun-free zone. So the killer knew and plotted. It's not the fault of the school. It's a private Christian school. It's the zone that's created by ordinance. Gun-free zone. Except for the killer. She had guns. Anyway, I hope you better understand now why bullets are different. And then finally, David Rausch, Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, is at press conference. Cut six, go. Again, I, I want to uh, echo what Chief has said uh, in reference to the great support uh, and the great teamwork that has been taking place here, and um, as well as uh, sending our, our heartfelt prayers 
to the to the families, to this community uh, of these victims. Now, I, I know there'll be people who want to criticize us for prayers, but that's the way we do that in the South, right? We, we believe in prayer and we believe in the power of prayer. And so our prayers go out to these families. Amen to that. And may God look over these children and those three adults and their suffering families. Then John Pierre, on the morning Joe today, this is just appalling. MSNBC, NBC, Comcast, that whole lineup is just a disgusting disgrace. Cut seven, go. Here's the thing, what we will say, what I will say to Republicans in Congress is, what are you going to say to these parents? You see, you see, it's the fault of the Republicans. This is the way totalitarian propaganda works. If they just would have done what we told them needs to be done, if they would just do what we want them to do, those children would be alive today. Really? And how about all the children and others who've been murdered from illegal aliens coming across the border on your watch? And raped and molested. And the children sold into sex slavery. Is that on you, Jean-Pierre? Is that on Biden? How about all the fentanyl that's come over the border and slaughtered? Give or take 100,000 Americans, most of them young people. Is that on you? Yeah, that is on you. For not following the law. But the idea that congressional Republicans are to blame every time somebody is murdered. Because they won't pass a law that the Democrats insist on of the sort that they passed 30 years ago and didn't work. You should despise these people for how they conduct themselves and how exploitive they are. Because God knows I do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to tell you about something to help you protect your retirement. People are worried about the economy because 2022 didn't go very well. For one thing, there's the crazy spending and debt created by Biden and the Democrats. That huge debt affects your savings, especially pensions, IRAs, and 401ks. It's one reason Americans get gold IRAs, to protect their hard-earned savings. Well, here's a company I trust to help you with a gold IRA, Augusta Precious Metals. What makes Augusta Precious Metals different? tell you not to buy a gold IRA if it's not right for you. If you've saved $100,000 or more, save for your IRA or your 401k, sign up for a one-on-one web conference to schedule call 877-4-GOLD-IRA. That's 877-4-GOLD-IRA, 877-4-GOLD-IRA. If you have a financial professional, obviously talk to them before making an investment decision. Visit AugustaPreciousMetals.com and check out the risk disclosures as well. I want the police to know out there how grateful most of the nation is for you. I just want you to know that. You know, and I used to go in the cities, particularly New York City, the NYPD folks, they'd come up to me left and right. Because, you know, I started out there. 
And these are fantastic men and women, absolutely fantastic, with their lives on the line all across the country. I've told you before, I had a number of relatives who served under Philadelphia Police Force under a police commissioner, you may have heard of him, Frank Rizzo. He's a tough man. Became mayor at one point, too. But the city was mostly uh, at peace, unlike today, which is a disaster there, like most cities, due to the radical left-wing kooks that run them. Nearly $300 billion of your Medicare funds were diverted to fund electric vehicle credits and Obamacare subsidies, just so you know. Absolutely unrelated to Medicare. Unrelated to Medicare. So think about that, too. You know, uh, when we come back, I want to talk to you somewhat about what's taking place in the state of Israel, and I'll tell you why. Because Joel Pollack at Breitbart has has a brilliant piece there. And he says, you see what's happening in Israel? With the elitists and the protesters and the radical left and the opposition party and parties and the courts are desperately trying to hold on to power against the voters. And you see, they've almost come to a civil war. Netanyahu himself has acknowledged this. They're lucky to have that man in that position right now, I can tell you that. Pollock says, you can imagine the same thing is awaiting a Donald Trump victory. And I think he's 100% correct. These people who preach democracy, who preach that they're anti-violence, anti-insurrection, They're the opposite of all those things. They are violent. The radical left has always been violent. They do not want to give up power, even temporarily, through the course of an election. And I want to get into this with you, because I think it's very, very relevant to what's going on in our country right now. I'll be right back. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 3811. What's happening in the state of Israel has been happening here and is going to get worse. I hate to tell you. Because the ideologues in this country and the ideologues there and the ideologues in Europe, they coordinate, they communicate, and they're of the same mindset. 
They don't care about the American law and order system. They don't care about the Israeli law and order system or the European law and order system. I am telling you what I've been telling you now for a long, long time. Radio hosts are afraid to say it. Television hosts are afraid to say it, although more and more of them are. We are facing this Marxist movement that is customized towards democracies in our republic. And when you listen to somebody like AOC or Presley, when you listen to these people, or even when you listen to Joe Biden, and you listen to the Democrat Party, they're telling you what they think. Now, they camouflage a lot of it in the name of the people and democracy. But that's typically the way tyrannies come to be, and we are in a soft tyranny right now. It's Matt Talibi. We'll get to that. Ask anybody you want. What Joe Biden now is doing in the state of Israel is trying to topple the elected prime minister. Because he and Obama hate Netanyahu, and more than that, the Supreme Court in Israel, the Israeli bar in Israel, there's a segment of Israeli generals in Israel who are very woke, believe it or not, And of course, academia in Israel and big labor in Israel are trying to take out Netanyahu. And they've made it clear with their own statements that they are prepared to sink the entire nation. And they are actually encouraging foreign governments to help them, including the Biden administration. So Joe Pollock's piece here in in Breitbart, the chaos on the streets of Israel today, is a preview of what will happen in the United States if a Republican, especially Donald Trump, wins the presidency in 2024. The left will try to make the country ungovernable. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu was re-elected last year after he was supposed to have disappeared due to several frivolous prosecutions championed by his political opponents. Sound familiar? When he returned to office with a bigger majority than he enjoyed before, he vowed to take on the forces that had conspired against him and his party, namely Israel's own deep state, and the judiciary and the legal hierarchy. Judicial reform has long been a simmering issue in Israel. In the 1990s, the left-wing Supreme Court began to assert broad powers to overturn legislation, and review executive decisions. It did so more and more brazenly. It wasn't judicial review, America. It was judicial oligarchy. Over time, the judiciary, which effectively controls the appointment of judges, became a bastion of left-wing power in Israel, holding the line for the secular, urbane elite against the growing religious nationalist majority. They call this the juristocracy. And this juristocracy caused many Israelis, particularly on the right, 
to become frustrated with democracy. You know, what use was there in voting for a government, after all, only to see the courts overturn everything it tried to do? Those frustrations came to a head in recent years with several high-profile decisions, such as the rejection of a major natural gas deal and the cancellation of a compromise on religious exemptions for military service, all done by the Supreme Court. And just so you know, there's no standing rules. So any Tom, Dick, and Harry, or any Mary, Sally, and Frederica could file any complaint. It goes to the Supreme Court. They take control of the decision. And they, they're in charge. We have standing rules in this country. But the real crisis came with the absurd prosecution of Netanyahu, which showed that democracy in Israel becomes subordinate to the courts, the military brass, and the Attorney General, Israel's own deep state. Netanyahu was elected last year with a mandate to change the system. Instead of debating or negotiating, the Israeli left took to the streets. Some left-wing military reservists began deserting, endangering the country. The Biden administration, which likes to tell Republicans to respect the outcome of elections, sent the opposite message to the Israeli opposition, siding with the radical left against Netanyahu and telling him to slow down his reforms. This Saturday, Israel's own defense minister stabbed Netanyahu in the back, giving a speech opposing his own government's judicial reforms while Netanyahu was overseas in the United Kingdom. Netanyahu had no choice but to fire him. It's called insubordination. Overnight, Israeli streets exploded into protests. The trade unions are joining the fray. The airport is effectively shut down. The universities are closed. The country is now a sitting duck for Iranian or Palestinian attacks. Americans should watch carefully and take note for three reasons. First, it is deeply worrying that the Biden administration seems to be fomenting the chaos. Biden has refused even to meet with Netanyahu since he was elected last year, and today he said he has no intention of meeting with him. This is a guy who will meet with any genocidal murder or inbred running any country. This is a man who's given hundreds of millions of dollars to the Palestinian terrorists, Abbas, Second, the crisis in Israel is a risk to stability in the Middle East. Israelis are openly worrying about their ability to confront a potentially nuclear Iran if they are mired in their own internal political struggles. You can't win a war outside your country if your country is unraveling within. Third and most important, what is happening in Israel is a preview of what may happen in the United States after 2024. Already, after 2016, Democrats refused to accept Trump as legitimate and undermine his administration. Remember the things Hillary Clinton said? Remember the things Barack Obama, Michelle Obama, and Joe Biden said? Remember the things that Pelosi said and did, and Schumer said and did, and the media said and did, and on and on? They never accepted him. As legitimate. In 2020, they rioted in the streets, telling us that this is what democracy looks like. They'll do the same if they lose in 2024. Americans need to be prepared, writes Joe Pollack, and to condemn political violence now before it's too late. I think he's right on. 
you need to watch what's going on over there. And then the New York slimes. And the 48 hours before Prime Minister Netanyahu reluctantly delayed his effort to overhaul the Israeli judiciary. His government was bombarded by warnings from the Biden administration that he was imperiling Israel's reputation as a true democracy at the heart of the Middle East. Keep something in mind. Biden doesn't believe in representative government. He's Mr. Executive Orders. Executive orders for student loans. Executive orders to open the borders. Executive orders on on a pandemic. Executive orders on uh, women's sports. Executive orders on equity. Executive orders racism. He used to be black racist. Now he's a white racist or whatever you want to say. Executive order after executive order on climate change. But he says he's concerned that Israel will lose its reputation as the true democracy in the Middle East. Who are they going to lose it to? Jordan? Saudi Arabia? You schmuck. In a statement on Sunday night, soon after Netanyahu fired his defense minister because he had broken with the government on the judicial overhaul, the White House noted that Biden had told Netanyahu by phone a week ago that Democratic values, quote, have always been and must remain a hallmark of the U.S.-Israel relationship. See, this is the White House leaking to David Sanger at the New York Times. Hey, David Sanger, what is it like to be a lapdog to Biden? What is it like to be a stenographer to Biden? What is it like to sell your, your profession, to sell your soul to Biden and the Democrat? What is it like, David E. Sanger? What a schmuck. Yes. Major changes to the system, Mr. Biden said, must only be pursued with the broadest possible base of popular support. And what is Biden doing to our country with the no basis for support? He trashes the Supreme Court. This, this is just shocking. They had a one vote advantage in the Senate and three or four in the House. And he passed the most massive attack on our energy system in our own history foreign or domestic, destroying the fossil fuel industry for all intents and purposes. There was no broad-based support for this. None. He passes a massive, massive spending bill. Over $3 trillion. He wanted it to be $6 trillion, remember? Not a single Republican vote. Is that what he's talking about? The statement was striking because in normal times, the standard line for a White House, Democrat or Republican, is that Washington does not interfere in the internal politics of its allies. Well, in this case, it does. But you know what Netanyahu said today? He's the Churchill of Britain. Excuse me, he's the Churchill of, uh, of Israel. He said, Israel is a sovereign nation. And while we have a wonderful relationship with the United States, from time to time there are different disagreements with the government. Remember when he spoke to a joint uh, Congress of Democrats, Republicans, the House and the Senate? 2015, I think it was. 
Remember Obama and Biden were furious? This is how Biden tries to get back. So Biden and his disastrous, disgusting ambassador to Israel will spend two years negotiating with the Islamo-Nazi regime that murders its little girls, that slaughters gay people, that has killed Americans, kidnapped Americans. They will spend two years at the negotiation table with that regime. They will give hundreds of millions of dollars to Abbas, who's a terrorist. But Netanyahu gets the lectures, and the State Department money flows into the opposition to Netanyahu, as it did before. And that's the one man that Biden will not meet with. And so Biden, the radical Democrats, the radical leftists in Israel, the radical leftists in Europe, they're all ganging up on the government that's in Israel, and they're hoping for a civil war. I want you to keep that in mind in this country. I want you to keep that in mind. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Don't fall for the free phone deals from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, folks. Just another trick to lock you into a long-term contract that's going to cost you a fortune every single month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just 12 bucks a month at 0% interest, no contract. Cancel or leave anytime. Get a new iPhone, ultra-fast 5G service, and cut your cell phone bill in half. That's why I'm a Pure Talk customer. That's why you should be, too. You can switch right now at puretalk.com in as little as 10 minutes. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans starting at 30 bucks a month with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N PODCAST, and you'll save 50% off your first month. An iPhone 12 for 12 bucks a month and save on your monthly bill. PureTalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Restrictions apply. You can see the site for details. You know, it's amazing, and I'm going to speak to you as a very proud American Jew. Biden knows that he's going to get 70, 75% of the Jewish vote no matter what he does. No matter what he does. Maybe it'll get a little less. Maybe it'll be 65, 68% of the vote. Now, why is that? Because as my wife Julie likes to say, when you're talking about secularists, whether it's Jewish or Catholic or whatever, you're born into a particular religion. You'll honor the, the special holidays there's certain things, traditions you're willing to go through, but you're not really all in. Like Pelosi on abortion, or Biden on abortion, or whatever. They're just not real. They're not really all in. And it's much more than that. 
So there's a gap, there's a void, and what do they fill it with? Politics. So they're ideologues. This is their whole life. It's not their faith. In many cases, it's not even their family. It's their political ideology. And this is how they're able to stay in politics for half a century, to be away from their families more times than not. They don't go into politics temporarily and then go back to a normal life. Politics is who they are and what they do. It's their faith. It's their real religion. And the same applies to secular Jews. Joe Biden is a leftist. I don't care all the marketing and propaganda efforts to make him something else. Joe Biden is a leftist today. That's what he is. He's a radical leftist. That's what, he, that's what he's wound up being. That's what he is. Because he's also a chameleon. And he's trying to write the history books. And the historians he brought into the Oval Office, of course, they will write the books for him. Now, all that said, he knows that he will get the votes, regardless. Out of New York, out of California, not out of Florida. He won't get them out of Brooklyn, where Orthodox Jews are. He won't get them out of Florida, where many Orthodox Jews are, but there's others too. But the point is, He knows he can do or say anything because he's a Democrat. And you have to ask yourself, if you really believe in the faith of Judaism, how can you be a Democrat? Because today that's the party of anti-Semitism. No, not all Democrats that run the Democrat Party are anti-Semites, but too many to count. The Congressional Black Caucus calls in Farrakhan. That's not really a good move. AOC, Talib, Omar, and the list goes on and on and on. But they'll continue to vote that way and they'll continue to be registered that way. It's unfortunate. I'll be right back. Don't fall for the free phone deals from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, folks. Just another trick to lock you into a long-term contract that's going to cost you a fortune every single month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just 12 bucks a month at 0% interest, no contract. Cancel or leave anytime. Get a new iPhone, ultra-fast 5G service, and cut your cell phone bill in half. That's why I'm a Pure Talk customer. That's why you should be, too. You can switch right now at puretalk.com in as little as 10 minutes. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans starting at 30 bucks a month with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. An iPhone 12 for 12 bucks a month and save on your monthly bill. PureTalk.com, promo code LEVINPODCAST. Restrictions apply. You can see the site for details. 
Mark Levin, the research arm of conservative media. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Hello, hello, hello. Matt Taibbi. Matt Taibbi has decided, because we inquired, that he can't do any media on this IRS issue until the IRS speaks and explains what it did to him. Mark, what are you talking about? Well, when Matt Taibbi, an independent journalist, was testifying on Capitol Hill in front of a House committee about the weaponization of government, and he was one of the independent journalists chosen by the great Elon Musk, a hero in my view, to look at Twitter records and to see what was going on. Taibbi was one of three or one of four independent journalists and a staff that went through all these records. And they found, in fact, that the Biden administration, the FBI, Department of Homeland Security, among others, had been working with Twitter. Members of Congress, like Adam Schiff, working with Twitter to try and censor certain individuals and information, to try and promote certain theories, to help cover up the Hunter Biden laptop and so forth. This is your government. And this guy's a liberal Democrat, and he says, well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm on the wrong side of this thing. The Wall Street Journal editorial board and others sounded off on Matt Taibbi, one of the journalists behind the Twitter files, being visited by an IRS agent after his testimony before Congress. The Wall Street Journal's editorial board reported that Representative Jim Jordan sent a letter to Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and IRS Commissioner Daniel Werfel to ask why an agent was sent to Taibbi's home. They sent the letter yesterday. According to the letter, the agent came to Taibbi's personal residence on March 9th, the same day the journalist testified before the Select Committee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government on his reporting on the Twitter files. Is, it, doesn't that say it all right there? The taxman left a note instructing him to call the IRS four days later. Taibbi was allegedly told that both his 2018 and 2021 tax returns were rejected due to, quote, Concerns over identity theft, unquote. Now, let's slow down. I don't believe in coincidences. Especially when it comes to the government. Particularly when it comes to the Internal Revenue Service. The same day he's testifying. An IRS agent goes to his home. Raising questions about the legitimacy of his tax returns. Concerns over identity theft. Why would you send an IRS agent to his home to raise concerns about identity theft, Mr. Producer? Why don't, yeah, exactly. Why don't they send a letter like they always do? The curious timing of this visit on the heels of the FTC demand that Twitter turn over names of journalists, that's the Federal Traitor Commission, the Democrats are traitors, raises questions about potential intimidation. And Mr. Jordan is right to want to see documents and communications, says the editor, relating to the Taibbi visit. 
The fear of many Americans is that flush with its new $80 billion in funding from Congress, the IRS will unleash its fearsome power against political opponents. Mr. Taibbi deserves to know why the agency decided to pursue him with a very strange house call. You know what? These bastards use the FBI and the Department of Justice to threaten parents and pro-lifers. To threaten Republican state legislators. They used it to threaten these journalists now with the IRS. This goes back to the days of FDR. FDR used the IRS against his political opponents. You know who else did? John Kennedy. Ooh. You know who else did? Lyndon Johnson. Nixon tried, but they caught him and he had to resign, you know. Can't do what the Democrats do. You'll, you'll wind up in jail or you'll have to resign or something like that. And they used the FBI and Lyndon Johnson even used the CIA. But we love Lyndon, don't we? Great society and everything. In response to the IRS visit, the Wall Street Journal reported that Taibbi provided Jordan's committee with documentation proving that his 2018 tax returns had been previously accepted, pointing out the IRS never notified him of any issues at the time. In addition, while his 2021 tax return was initially rejected, Taibbi said the issue is not monetary. I've never had them reject one of my tax returns. Have you, Mr. Producer? They salivate over my tax returns. The Wall Street, and by the way, I don't take all the deductions that are due me. So if I get the knock on the door, it's going to be, oh, by the way, thanks for coming. You owe me. I'm quite serious. The Wall Street Journal noted that the IRS normally sends a letter. Yeah, I just said that. And what an amazing coincidence. The great Senator Ted Cruz said this Absolutely stinks to high heaven. The IRS has a troubling history targeting the political enemies of Democrats, including the Tea Party. You Tea Party folks, I was a big part of the Tea Party. What a wonderful, wonderful time that was. Where the American people rose up. Yes, and the Tea Party was targeting. Of course, Obama, I don't know anything about this. No, 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 it was done to benefit him but he didn't know anything Biden didn't know anything nobody uh, cared if they did or didn't it was unbelievable quite frankly so we invited Mr. Taibbi on the program and he told Mr. Producer uh, and this is true that he's not doing any media until the IRS responds to these inquiries as it should I've always believed in getting rid of the IRS I have I don't care if it's a flat tax, as a percentage of income, or a flat sales tax. I don't care. These thug operations need to come to an end. But this is why I talked at length about Israel a little bit ago and read to you Joel Pollock's piece. Because he's right. These people are not going to go away quietly. They're not going to go away easily. They're not going to go away without a fight. And if that means taking down the country, then they'll, they'll think so be it. We already got a taste of this. 
It's really... It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Don't fall for the free phone deals from Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile, folks. Just another trick to lock you into a long-term contract that's going to cost you a fortune every single month. Instead, get a brand new iPhone 12 from Pure Talk for just 12 bucks a month at 0% interest, no contract. Cancel or leave anytime. Get a new iPhone, ultra-fast 5G service, and cut your cell phone bill in half. That's why I'm a Pure Talk customer. That's why you should be, too. You can switch right now at puretalk.com in as little as 10 minutes. Choose from a variety of unlimited talk and text plans starting at 30 bucks a month with plenty of high-speed data, all backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Go to puretalk.com, enter promo code LEVINPODCAST, L-E-V-I-N podcast, and you'll save 50% off your first month. An iPhone 12 for 12 bucks a month and save on your monthly bill. PureTalk.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Restrictions apply. You can see the site for details. You know, folks, I meant to tell you something must really be wrong with Mitch McConnell. I mean, physically. We hear that he fell down, right? That he got a concussion. Now, to fall down and get a concussion, that is a very bad fall. Seriously. He didn't fall down and break his arm or break his arm. He fell down and had a concussion, meaning, obviously, he hit his head. And he was in the hospital a relatively long time. And now he's getting, uh, I think they said, therapy. Which means there's issues, I assume, either with his talking or his walking or something. So I think this is serious. I'm just speculating. But I suspect this is serious. Guy's not young. He had polio, as I understand it. And so he had, he had a, 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 uh, an issue with walking in the first place through much of his life. But you don't hear anything. There's like a code of silence here. And uh, this is the guy who was the longest serving leader in the Senate, Republican or Democrat. Now, I don't know. I'm just telling you. I'm not gossiping. I'm, I'm just saying, I think this guy, McConnell, had a very bad spill. And severely hurt himself. And uh, I don't think we're getting all the facts. And it does raise a number of interesting questions about who's behind him, who's running the Republican side of the Senate right now. Who is the number two? Cornyn, I guess? Ladies and gentlemen, Cornyn would be a disaster should he replace McConnell. Cornyn is... A stubborn rhino. That's what he is. He's a stubborn rhino. Now, I don't know who is in there after him. Thune, Thune, you're right. Thune would be number three, I think. 
not being the greatest fan of Thune, but I think Thune is more accessible. And Thune, I think, instinctively is more conservative than Cornyn. I didn't say he's conservative. I said more conservative. But this could get uh, interesting from a political perspective. But from a human perspective, I mean, I'm quite serious. I, I mean, to have absolute silence about McConnell, except here and there, he went home, he's getting therapy. Therapy for what? Then Fetterman. Fetterman's been out more times than he's been in the Senate since he was elected. He's obviously utterly and completely incapable of being a senator. And he has enough difficulty just getting along in life. And the fact that his wife and his family and the Democrat Party would put him up is so disgusting. It's like with Biden. Biden's not only an incompetent, not only a moron, Biden's been bought and paid for by foreign governments, including the communist Chinese. And they know it. They all know it. Yet there he is. So those two are out. Then you count, who else is there? Feinstein. I'm just being honest. I'm not attacking in the least because I don't think it's funny. Feinstein has a level of dementia now. That's why she's not the president of the Senate, even though she's the longest serving Democrat. That's why she's not the chairman of the Judiciary Committee, because she can't function. These are not rumors and gossip. This is reality. So that's three of them. And she hasn't voted lately. Three of them. Two Democrats, one Republican. So ask yourselves, who is running the Senate? And I read somewhere this is the oldest Senate in decades. Decades and decades. And of course, you see what we've got in the White House. With all the Obama commies running the White House and the executive branch. But it just seems to me he's the Republican leader in the Senate. And we really ought to know more about what's going on. And I... I suspect it's a lot worse than we know. I'm just guessing. I don't know. But it's just too quiet. Just too quiet. Mr. Producer, not to catch you by surprise, do we have a caller that we can speak to? WCBM, Lou in Columbia, Maryland. Go right ahead, Lou. I can't believe it, Mark. I got through, and I love you. I listen to Thank you all the time. Thank you, my friend. Um, Biden had it partially right. The bullet doesn't explode, but um, very high-velocity bullets will cause a shockwave in the body, and that's what's really what takes people down. Yeah, but when you shoot at somebody, the goal is to take them down, right? Well, the 223 uh, falls in that category. Anything over a certain velocity, which I'm not going to mention. All right. Listen, thank you, Marilyn. We appreciate it. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. 
now broadcasting from the underground command post deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building we've once again made contact with our leader mark levin hello america mark levin here our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811, the power hour. You want to have a good time? You know, it's a sad day. It's been a sad couple of days, given what's taken place and all. But we can't be totally glum, can we? Chin up. Smile. Alejandro Mariacas is the Secretary of Department of Homeland Security. He was the Deputy Secretary under Obama. He's the Secretary under Biden. You can see the ancestral relationship, or even the incestuous relationship, between Biden and Obama and their staffs. Uh, Staff infection, if you ask me. So all the radical commies that were in the Obama administration have gotten bigger jobs in the Biden administration. They're running circles around this nut. But there was a hearing today, and Ted Cruz, boy, when he's on his game, there's nobody as good. There just isn't. So I thought you'd enjoy this. You ready? Cut 16, go. Is there a crisis at our southern border? Senator, uh, there is a very significant... That's a yes or no question. There's a very significant... Is there a crisis? Senator, there's a very significant challenge. I think your microphone is not on. (laughs) There is a very significant challenge that we are facing. Yes or no, is there a crisis? I believe I've addressed that question. So you're refusing to answer. Senator, uh, there is a very significant challenge. Will you answer if there's a crisis? Therefore, we are dedicating the resources. Okay, so you're refusing to answer. Well, Secretary Mayorkas, I'll tell you someone who is willing to answer, which is your and President Biden's chief of the Border Patrol, in a sworn deposition in July of 2022, when asked, would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Answer, yes. Notice none of those wiggle words, none of that equivocation. One word, one syllable, yes. Are you willing to speak with the same clarity as Chief Ortiz? Is there a crisis at our southern border? Yes or no? Senator, I'm very proud to work alongside. You refuse to answer. God, these guys are unbelievable, aren't they? Look, Senator, I'm a bad working long stage, can you do? But there's more. Cut 17, go. How many migrants died in 2022? Um, uh, at our, uh, approaching our southern border? Yes. Precisely why we are seeking to exclude so you're, the can, Do you know the answer? Do you know how many died? I do not. You do not. Of course you don't. I know how many died. 853. That is- 853. And by the way... Here are the numbers that have died every year. You go back to 1998, you see it's consistently between 300 and 400, 304 to 300 400. Suddenly, 2021, what happens? You get in office, and that red line are dead bodies. I've been on the Rio Grande, and I've seen dead bodies floating there who've drowned because of your refusal to do your job. You don't even know how many have died. What do you say to the Texas farmers and ranchers who find pregnant ladies dead on their property, who find toddlers dead on their property? What do you say to them? I say that is why precisely we are taking it to the smuggling organization. But you are not. That is simply not true. Number two, it is why we are dead. Let me read from the Wall Street Journal. 
The Wall Street Journal two weeks ago ran an article entitled, It's Like a Graveyard. Record numbers of migrants are dying at the border. The story begins with this chilling line, quote, Eagle Pass, Texas. Local officials keep a refrigerated truck to hold the bodies of migrants who drown in the currents of the Rio Grande while trying to cross the border into the U.S. Mr. Chairman, I ask unanimous consent that this article be entered into the record. You take any responsibility for that, Biden? Because you are responsible for this, Biden. Talk about gun control. He talks about Nashville. All these people dying on the southern border, suffering, being abused and raped and sold into sex slavery. The drug cartels, the drugs coming across. It is chaos. It is anarchy on the southern border. Anarchy. And it reaches into all of our cities and all of our states. And you've got this. This mannequin sitting here. They just wind him up. Well, Brandon Judd is the president for the National Border Patrol Council. And he was at the hearing today. And here's what he said in response to Representative Eli Crane on the House side. Go. Can you briefly describe some of the most detrimental policy changes that current administration has put into place? When you look at the the main magnet that draws people to cross our borders illegally is whether or not they're going to be released into the United States. Right now, nearly everybody that crosses the border illegally, if they're not expelled under Title 42, which is only about 30 percent right now, then they're released into the United States. That's the main magnet that, that, that drives people. And he has he has put that, if, if you will, he's put that on steroids. Yeah. Does it bother you on a personal level to see these uh, changes uh, made? It does, because I know that we can't properly protect the American people with these policies. Yeah, one of the things that was covered earlier, sir, was uh, the attrition rate in the Border Patrol. In your professional um, and longstanding position in the Border Patrol, do you think that has anything to do with Border Border Patrol agents feeling like it doesn't even matter what they do. It does. I speak with agents on a regular basis that, that are leaving the agency because they know that they can't do the job that they that they wanted to do. More Brandon Judd, president for the National Border Patrol Council at this hearing with Dan Bishop, Representative Bishop. Go. So I fully agree that we need to not rob resources from a particular place in the border to go elsewhere. But then the ranking member's opening statement suggested that the issue is Republicans won't support enough resources. But it seems to me that is in general with respect to the open borders policy the Biden administration has pursued, the way they've converted everything into processing people into country faster. If we do, if we apply more resources in general, we're just going to process people into the country faster. And it's not going to secure the border or bring, make it more orderly. But what do you say about that? No, that's that's absolutely correct. And when you look at uh, what he's proposed, um, 300 new agents, that's a drop in the bucket, especially when we're losing agents at a 6.8 percent attrition rate right now. Again, it's just absolutely unsustainable. We cannot send agents from the northern border to the southwest border and expect to keep um, control of the northern border. And this is what Biden does. Takes oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. That's for emergencies, mostly for the military. If we go to war and drains it, has no intention of replenishing it. Takes the funds out of the highway trust fund. The highway trust fund is now broke. There's nothing in it. Uses up what, what oil and gas that he permits to be developed and pumped and refined. 
Don't worry, in 10 years we won't need any of it, he says. Like he knows. He knows nothing, this guy. He's a know-nothing. And here we are on the border, which he controls 100% in terms of uh, the ability to do something about it. And he won't do anything about it. When they say the Republicans won't support resources to secure the border, what Biden is proposing is a few hundred more a few hundred more people to process the paperwork for people to come into the country. Not armed border patrol. And there's nothing in there for the wall. It's not even a joke. It's it's pathetic. And this is why I want you to know this. Because it affects every corner of this country. Now, for the first time ever, the northern border is being used for illegal immigrants to come into the country. New England is begging for security on the northern border. New England! Can you believe it? The goofball, the uh, governor of New Hampshire, uh, Sununu. Chris, Chris, sit down. You're all worked up. Chris, too much sugar again, Chris. And by the way, what is it with these guys? I'm being honest. I speak as a a, a hair-challenged individual, Mr. Producer, on the top of my head. A phallic-challenged in, individual. What is it with these guys that start their parts at their ears, Mr. Producer? Do they not know we know? It's Chris Sununa. It's a, like his daddy. Combs his hair over. It's a com- Don't do it. It looks stupid. All right. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Well, it's a pleasure to have... Uh, Dan Crenshaw on with us, Republican congressman from Texas. I've never had it. Have I ever joined this show, Congressman? I know you've been on TV. Hey, it's great to be with you too, Mark. Um, I don't think I've been on your radio show. We've no? definitely been on TV. Well, it's good to have you. Uh, first of all, you know, you wear an eye patch. I want the nation knows you're the gentleman who wears the eye patch. Can you, can you briefly tell everybody what happened to cause you to have to wear that eye patch? I was hit by an IED. Yeah, it's been uh, 2012 in Afghanistan. Uh, mission out there with, uh, was with SEAL Team Three at the time. Mm-hmm. So you're a combat veteran, obviously, and uh, you're not a chicken hawk like me, I guess. Uh, but that said, um, you and I agree a lot when it comes to um, Ukraine, when it comes to Russia, when it comes to China and North Korea. In Iran. In other words, we believe in a very strong military, very strong defense, and that the way you provoke your enemy is by showing weakness. So, real peace through strength. Is that correct? Yeah, I'd say that's correct. Uh, that's absolutely correct. And I appreciate how, how strong you've stood on this issue. It uh, should seem obvious, but I think uh, I think too many in our party um, are driven more by contrarianism than they are by principle. You know, there's not exactly a principle that I can point to that says it's America first to let Russia and China just take over the world. Mm-hmm. I'm, not, I'm not sure how that's America first. That's, that's America last. 
Why is it that people don't see this axis that has developed now uh, with uh, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea? I mean, isn't it obvious? Don't they tell us about it? Aren't they acting on it? I mean, it sort of had to be Helen Keller not to see it, don't you? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's painfully obvious. Uh, like, like you said, they're they're taking meetings with the, with one another. Their interests align. Um, you know, if, if if you think China is your greatest adversary strategically, and it is, then you should want things that they don't want, right? And they want Russia to win in Ukraine. Um, now, it'd be a different story if we were talking about losing American troops there. I think that, I think the the right. uh, criticisms would be much more better understood. But we're writing a check for less than ten percent of our defense budget, annual defense budget, um, to completely decimate one of our strategic adversaries that that's that's worked against us for decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And you know it, what, what I tell people too is like look, maybe to help you understand. If, if you're against helping Ukraine, then you have to be for Russia winning. And people are like, no, we're not for that. Well, yeah, you, by definition, you are. Because they can't, well, the Ukrainians can't fend them off without our help. So by definition, you are for Russia winning. And then that means you're for a Russian military that could have blown through Ukraine without a problem because they wouldn't have had our help and our weapons and our stingers and our javelins. And so you'd be for an intact, totally intact Russian military on the borders of Poland and Hungary and Slovakia and Romania all of which are NATO countries. And you're going to tell me that's a safer situation, that that's a more stable situation. And I think what people don't quite understand is that America has a critical interest in just general global stability and preventing chaos because chaos always spreads. And there's this deeply naive, foolish, and quite dangerous belief amongst many of our compatriots who we agree on everything else with, but apparently not this, that, that the world is so large and disconnected that you can just, that you can just, live with chaos all around you and it's going to be fine and nothing's ever going to come home to roost. But that's a deeply naive sentiment. And it's, and it's hard to rip people from that belief. Now, I, I do think people understood that when Trump was president, I think, I think Trump had the right instincts when he was, when he talked about uh, Ukraine and Russia, you know, he, he spoke about this issue quite a bit. Um, that's why I think, and, and people cheered him for it. And now those same people don't. That's why I, I label I think a lot of the criticism here is contrarianism, you know, just partisan contrarianism as opposed to deeply rooted principles. Talking to Dan Crenshaw, Republican of Texas. And actually, if you go back and you check on the Internet and so forth, a lot of these people um, do support Putin in Russia and did root for Putin in Russia beforehand. Uh, Let me ask you this, Congressman. I'm of concern that the Biden administration is treating now the Israeli government and Netanyahu the way Obama did. Uh, they're actually encouraging this, this uh, uprising that's taking place in the state of Israel when Iran is as close as can be to having nukes and has now built an alliance with Saudi Arabia and Russia and China. This is a very concerning situation, is it not? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Democrats have this weird way of, of what they're no their own naivete and their own obsession with i think supposed victims like in this case they 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 uplift the palestinians as as the victims in this situation and so they always kind of try to take that side the detriment of a of a strong stable and democratic nation like israel and all that does is create chaos it doesn't help 
anyone or anything. And I, I guess I can only explain the Biden administration's reluctance to just strongly support Israel on this as as giving into their far left base that that is that is victimhood oriented, right? They always they always want to support sort of the opposite of what they, what the what the like Western civilized approach would be. Um, but it's nonsensical, and yeah, it just it creates an instability that we just don't need right now. And 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 Biden is deeply foolish not to not to simply carry on with like, the Trump administration policy of, of of which is was was actually kind of unique in American and like recent American mm-hmm. history of of saying like we're strong supporters of, of Israel and that's it. And and that led to a cascade effect in the Middle East of of the Abraham Accords and, and Sunni Muslim nations siding with Israel in, in, in a very profound way, in a stabilizing way. You don't want to let go of that. You know, it's interesting. Trump never surrendered. Trump never was an isolationist or a pacifist. Uh, I agree with you. And yet some of the people who claim to speak for him or think they're like him are not like him in any way. He doesn't want to just walk no. away from Ukraine. He wants to negotiate something. Yeah, and it is, it's hard to tell what his position is at the moment. Um, I, I do think he's kind of following the sentiments of the of Twitter at the moment. But So I don't know, and I don't want to speak for him. But I do know what he said very clearly while he was president and also immediately following the invasion. I remember posting uh, on, on, on social media exactly what he said. He said he would be stronger than Biden. He said he would... Give Ukraine weapons and better weapons, faster and, and 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 more intensely, and that's probably the right approach because I, you know, in this again, Putin only respects strength, and so the right approach here was what Trump did initially, which was just just just, just threaten Putin, say like, if you bomb Ukraine, we're going to bomb the hell out of you, and that's just verbal deterrence. It really, you know, sometimes international politics really is that simple. Um, just make the other guy believe that you beat him on the escalation ladder. And that creates deterrence and it creates stability, which is in America's interest. So I totally agree with you, which is why I bring up the, uh, I think the, what has become a, just a, a reformation, if you will, of, of America first. America first means actual America first. It doesn't mean let your enemies walk all over you. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it seems to mean that for too many people who claim the America first badge, who, who would have peace at any cost and just let our adversaries do whatever the heck they want. That's not America first. No, America first can't be Putin first. Uh, Congressman, if you'll hold on, I'd like to talk about these drug cartels on the border. You are from Texas. If you can stick with us. We'll be right back. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin-Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Mark Levin. 
the thunder on the right. Call in now, 877-381-3811. We're here with Representative Dan Crenshaw. You know, uh, Representative Crenshaw, what's interesting is the position you espouse, or I espouse for that matter, is the traditional conservative Reaganite position that defeated the Soviet Union and empowered our military and resulted in increased military spending. Uh, we had a 600-ship Navy. We, nobody would mess with us, and we were able to keep peace that way and make peace that way. Uh, and I think some people are confused that the warmongers are in Beijing and Moscow and Tehran, that we're not the warmongers. But this isn't really new, isn't it? This is the kind of thing that was taking place in the late 30s and early 40s in terms of the mentality of both political parties, you know, and Britain was under attack and Churchill was begging for help and Lend-Lease. And I mean, there it is right in front of our eyes. And yet still our eyes are closed. No. Yeah, I mean, that's right. That, that kind of isolationism does have a long history. It probably always will. You know, what causes it? I don't, I don't quite understand. I, I, I think it's just deeply naive. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how else to explain it. Um, what, what I tell people is, like, it might have made sense in the 1700s. And that's even a maybe, because I'll tell you what, you know, the, America wouldn't have won our revolution without the French coming out to help. So the French seemed to think that them interfering in a, in a war across the ocean made sense for them to defeat their own strategic adversaries. So it even made sense back then. Maybe you have to go even further back. But it certainly doesn't make sense now when the war is a nine-hour flight away. Now, that's why I tell people, it used to take six months to get to Europe. Uh, it takes nine hours, uh, less depending on where you're going. So the world is a small place, whether you like it or not. You can wish to live in a different world if you want, and you can write a fiction novel about it. About, about, how, about how you can just close off your borders and everything will just work out. You'll have the exact same lifestyle that you have now. But it's not true. Like I, I just, it's just not true. It's a false sense of being. And you know, there are people out there that think very differently than us and want a very different world order. And they are the Chinese, they're Xi Jinping and Putin and, and North Korea and Iran. And they'll do whatever it takes to, to thwart our interests. The Chinese are, are doing it uh, quite well at the moment. Um, so we need to wake up to it and understand that it, peace through strength, actually, you can't forget the strength part. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like to say that as a slogan, but they totally forget about the strength part because the strength part actually takes some guts and it takes a, a few tough decisions. And, and I'm just, I, I don't know when, I don't know when our far populist right became, you know, 1960s anti-war activists, hippies, because that's what they sound like to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, Mark. It's strange. Let me ask you about the southern border, because I don't know how to explain this either. You're the president of the United States. This is your obligation to, to, uh, to uphold the laws that have been passed, and he's undermining every one of them. We have people pouring into this country. We don't even know who they are by the millions. Uh, we've got fentanyl drugs coming in. We've got sex slave going on, slavery going on there. The uh, drug cartels now have uh, positions in every single state. And this guy, Mayorkas, testifies, and he says, you know, it's a challenge, you know, we're doing everything we can. Blatant, blatant lies. Now, there's some Democrats, mostly in your state and some of these other southeast, southwest, southern states, but for the most part, 
it, it, they get away with this. This is perfectly fine. This is another disaster. That and by the way, it's hard to unwind this. You know, that's a disaster of epic proportions. So, I, I, my goal in the recent months, weeks, has been to target the cartels because I have to believe that at least that's something we can get the Democrats to agree with. They're not going to agree on any of our border policies or our immigration ideas. They're, they're just they're they're so far to the left on this stuff. Um, I, I think they're truly for open borders. But, but I'm like, but in my mind, I'm like, look, what they can't possibly be for is almost eighty thousand Americans dying from fentanyl, which do come from two specific cartels: the Sinaloa cartel and the Jalisco cartel. Now, this is a clear and present danger. You know, the, over the last few minutes, you and know, I have talked about our strategic adversaries and our need to stand up to them. Those are strategic dangers. This is a tactical danger. This is right in front of our face. It is clear and present. I'll tell you what, even the isolationists have to agree on this one. Uh, and most of them actually do. So, you know, I've introduced an authorized use of military force against the cartels. It's gotten the attention of the Mexican president, who is, uh, has proven himself to be quite pro-cartel, as it turns out. I was, I was even surprised by that. Um, he's, he's threatened to come after me in, in my campaign uh, and in my really? election season. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got a resolution I hope uh, McCarthy will bring to the floor that, um, uh, against the Mexican president calling him out for, for threatening to meddle in American elections. He's starting to come after every Republican who, who wants to target the cartel, if you can believe that. So, you know, this is a serious danger. Um, you know, it's, it's <clears throat> again, almost 80,000 Americans a year dead from fentanyl poisoning, and you can trace it back to these two specific cartels. They're some of the most powerful organizations in the world, well-armed, well-funded. Um, they, they have immense power uh, over the Mexican government, over the Mexican people. You know, if we could choose one country, and I, I kind of tell this to people as a thought experiment, if you could choose one country in the world besides your own and make it 10 times better in every single way, which country would you choose? You should choose Mexico. It's, 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 some, it's our most important trading partner. Um, the stability of Mexico, the prosperity of Mexico matters to Americans a great deal. And uh, we should all work together to, to target the cartels. And the American military could deal with this very, very effectively. Uh, we need to do it with, alongside the, the Mexican military, but the AUMF is the first legal step to allow that to happen. And, of course, that's not going to happen anytime soon under this administration, although Trump has threatened it, hasn't he? Trump did. I, yeah, and, and I'm aware of, you know, they, they had plans in their second term to, to really take this on in a very serious way. Um, that wasn't just, just kind of your, your typical rhetoric. I think they were, they were deadly serious about it. And, look, it, there's people who criticize my talk on this and, Oh, you're going to talk about invading Mexico. To what end? We're not talking about invading Mexico. Everyone just stop. What we're talking about is one diplomatic leverage. You put an AUMF out there and it authorizes the military to not just immediately go bomb Mexico. You're talking about intelligence collection. You're talking about non-kinetic things that you can't do right now. And just as we do with all other allies around the world, we're talking about operating by, with, and through um, the, the Mexican government. Um, and, but it, but it's, it's a message, too. I mean, imagine if I can get some Democrats to actually agree to this and pass it out of Congress. What kind of message that sends to the Mexican president? And, and then what kind of actions they might take just to avoid having the American military operate in their, in their country? And maybe they'll actually start taking the cartels more seriously. Maybe the cartels will take us more seriously and stop producing fentanyl. That's not out of the question. So there's, there's more thought put into this. Um, and it, it doesn't necessarily require... Uh, the, the the apocalyptic conclusions that many draw, and I think I, I, and I think purposefully create straw man arguments against this idea. 
Now, what is your uh, district? Your district includes what towns and cities? Well, I'm in the Houston area. So Houston, Woodlands, Pascasita, Kingwood, Montgomery County, Harris County. Okay, very good. Is it mostly Republican? Is it marginal? What is that district? Sorry, I just don't know. Well, you know, after, yeah, after redistricting, we're pretty red. We're, we're pretty red. We're mostly Republican, yeah. Well, All right. Originally, it was in a more purple district. But. Very good, Dan Crenshaw. A pleasure to talk to you, my friend. Appreciate it. It was a pleasure, Mark. Thanks for having me. All right, you be well. He's a good man. Well, I don't agree with this. He's still a good man. There's a lot that he says that I do agree with. Look, my view about national security and defense. I wrote an entire chapter on this in Liberty and Tyranny, if you really want to go through and read the substance and go through the weeds and all the rest of it. But the key word is prudential. Every situation requires its own look because it has its own set of facts, its own geopolitical issues. Uh, We can't send our military everywhere. And we shouldn't send our military everywhere. Um, And so you need to use prudence. That is, you need to be very strategic about what it is that we should be doing. And is it in our best interest? But just saying something is far away, or that something's going to be a forever war, or that we're going to provoke XYZ from ABC, that's not good enough. You've got to look at everything that's on the table. Everything that's going to impact us. Everything that's going to impact our alliances. And we have alliances. And it shouldn't just be an ideological point of view. And that's the problem. I even have friends who write me. They have ideological points of view on national security. It's not an ideological matter. What's in the best interest of the United States in dealing with country X in dealing with access ABC. But in any instance, we should be building up our military so we have the flexibility and we have the capacity to do whatever it is that we have to do. And it also has a tendency, a really good tendency, to keep us safe. Because people don't want to mess around with the biggest guy in the room. They just don't. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Catherine Kuntz, who was the headmaster at the Covenant School, the Christian school where the mass murder took place. We're learning more about this woman. She was shot and killed yesterday. Went to great lengths to prepare her students and staff for active shooter situations. And immediately took action when a former student opened fire. Nashville City Councilman Russ Pulley said that Kuntz was in the middle of a virtual meeting when the shooting started around 10.13 a.m. He said, it's my understanding from a witness at the school that Catherine Kuntz was on a Zoom call when she heard the first shot. She immediately ended the call, got up, headed straight for the shooter. Pulley is a former FBI special agent. He told Fox News Digital today noting he didn't have any other details. She did what principals and headmasters do. She protected her children, police said. And in addition, she prepared the school by seeking advanced level active shooter training. And from witnesses at the scene, this protocol 
details of which I cannot provide, said the former agent, saved countless lives. What a damn shame. 60 years old. What a damn shame. But you know, when something like this is happening to you and in front of you, it's like a nightmare. Like, what the hell? And as we learn more about these people, I will tell you about these people. Dave, Kansas City, Missouri, that great KCMO. Go right ahead, please. Hi, Mark. It's a real honor to talk to you. I've been listening Thank to your you. show since uh, 2006, and I got my son with me behind me listening. And uh, Thank you. I truly look forward to listening to you every day when you're I on. Appreciate it. And, appreciate uh, it. I love your music. I love your soulful music. It's, it's upbeat, and I like the way you started your show out tonight about being positive and having an attitude of gratitude. Life's too short. Yeah. But uh, anyway, what I called about is I just want to know when you think the Republican Party will evolve itself to have someone like Ronald Reagan. You know, and I love that your is last a, You know, that too, is a great way. that is a great question. And I want to think about that. Believe it or not, I think I think we may have one. But I want to think about that a little bit. I think uh, Donald Trump helped save this country. And that's why they've been spending every waking hour trying to destroy him. I think the same about Reagan. And in many ways, I think we have these two candidates. Trump has a fantastic record as president. And in many ways, I see DeSantis is closer to Reagan. So I need to think more about that. You raise a very, very interesting point, David. Well, God bless you. And I also like your old school ways of referring to your mom sometimes and dad sometimes on your show over the years and your your pets and that's what that's what's inherent to america really family All right. you're great about people. thank you buddy take care of yourself let's continue oh we have calls from all over the great country bedford pennsylvania the great wbfd another david go right ahead please yellow yeah i was listening to, uh, hello hello Hello? Hello. Yeah, I was listening to Biden. Hello? Hello. Hello? Yeah. Yeah, hello. You're listening to Biden. Yeah. Can you? Yeah, I was listening to Biden today, and he was going on about this gun control thing. He said guns are the number one killers of kids in America today. Well, I think he's... It's not true, by the way. It's fentanyl. It's drugs. I think the number one killer is abortions. Well, number that's true, too. The drugs coming across the border. But let's say it is gun violence. What's he doing about it? How many people died in Chicago last weekend? Does anybody know? How many people died in Philadelphia last weekend or any of our major cities? Does anybody know? Who runs those cities? Democrats. They have the toughest gun control laws on the face of the year. Well, almost. In the country. So, I mean, we can have that debate, too, but, you know, what they want to do, apparently, is secure the schools, because it looks like a prison. We only secure, you know, the buildings in Washington. Thank you for your call. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, our truckers, men and women in Taiwan, in Ukraine, thank you, and police officers. God bless you, and thank you in Nashville. I'll see you tomorrow.